Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So let's pray and then uh, we'll get into the word. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We need to thank you for who you are. We want to just take our breath in this moment and just remember you. We give you thanks for the songs of declaration, the songs of hope. We give you thanks that we can remember you the way that you've come amongst us as we gather around your table in the the bread and the cup. Uh, Father, we thank you for this story of hope. We thank you for this story of promise. We thank you for... um, the witness and the example today of Graham and Gail, and we want to pray with them and stand with them in these days, Father. As with others who will be mourning and grieving in these days as well. Particularly, uh, we give thanks for Graham's witness. We give you thanks for his faithfulness. We give you thanks for Graham and Gail's faithfulness and witness in marriage. We ask that you sustain Gail and her family, that they might know your peace and your comfort in these days, that they would uh, experience a blessing of your presence that your love would be uh, a powerful witness over these days. And indeed, Father, I'm mindful as we uh, consider these days, the challenges of these days for some people as they consider the first Christmas without loved ones, um, the hardship of that, the challenge of that. And we pray that your grace and your peace and your comfort would just wash over all of them, that you would minister to each of us even in this time, Father that you'd bring new insight, a deeper revelation of who you are, a restoration, a healing, that we might have hearts, minds and spirits awakened to your love, to your calling, to your presence with us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This is uh, the third week of Advent or the third Sunday of Advent. The third Sunday, uh, according to liturgical, liturgical calendars, around waiting, expectation, anticipation. The preparation for the Christ to come amongst us. The openness, the readiness, the getting ready, the being prepared for uh, the Messiah in some way. Um, I don't know about you, but I did an, I've done another recount. I might be a bit short, but I think there's about eight traffic lights in Horsham. Now, just let, it could be eight to ten. Some of you are already doing the maths. You're already going up the streets. Just stay with me. Come back here. Don't worry about those details. You know, whether it's eight or ten or twelve, doesn't really matter. There's not many traffic lights in Horsham, is there? Have you ever noticed, though, that if you're running late, <laughs> every one of them will be red? Have you noticed that? Does that happen to you? I mean, I'll, probably if I go to any destination in Horsham, At most, I have to travel through four traffic lights. At most. And if I'm running late, they'll all be red. Now, I don't know if you've ever gone to this extreme where you sit there and you'll wait at the traffic lights while you're running late. Have you ever set the stopwatch to see how long you have to wait at a traffic light? Has anyone? How long? What's the maximum time you've had to wait? 20, 30 seconds is the most time. I reckon the longest I've had to wait at a traffic light is about 90 seconds. 90 seconds. So if I'm running late, 90 seconds at each set of traffic lights, at most, at most, over four sets, is what, about six minutes? Is that right, Mass? Oh, thank you. Good. 
There you go. I've done that just on the spot. You won't believe me, but I have. <laughs> You're not meant to laugh that hard, Jared. Um, so six, now, six minutes is a long time if you're running late, isn't it? If you're running late, you tell someone you're going to be there at 10 o'clock and you get there at 10.06. That's a long time. Now, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, six minutes is not long. You, as I said last week, you consider all the time in the world. Six minutes is not that long. But when you want to be there at a specific time, although some of you don't want to be there at a specific time, let's be honest. Some of you are just late without the traffic lights. Okay. All right. But I don't know about, and I don't even want to talk about the roundabouts. Um, the traffic lights I can handle because they're on a sensor, they're on a timer. Traffic lights, uh, some roundabouts are just a whole other level of people's inability to drive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you haven't been applauded all week and I get applauded about making a statement about roundabouts. Um, I don't know about you, but waiting is inconvenient, frustrating, even disappointing. Even waiting can be awkward at times, can't it? Um, I'm not very good at it, I've got to admit. I've, I'm not very good at it. And I wonder what it's like for you to wait. What's it like for you to wait? Now, it's not just about the traffic lights. I mean, traffic lights is a small kind of, you know, moment in time. But, you know, you've got a task list over this time, this time of advent, this time of preparation, this time of expectation, this time of waiting for the Christ to come amongst us. And we've got task lists, we've got food to buy, we've got gifts to buy. And, you know, we all know it's mad because the shops will be shut for one day this year over Christmas and the end of the world is coming. We all know that. But waiting feels overrated and it requires energy that we don't necessarily have, doesn't it? And yet that's the invitation over this season, to be waiting, to be still, to sit and wait in quietness with expectation, anticipation, to be reminded that God is with us, that God is amongst us. And today we've asked uh, Kerry... Oh, I meant to put that slide up. We've asked Kerry and Josh to share with us their experience of God with us. Well, I'm Kerry. Um, I'm married to Peter. And we have three children, Lily, Elijah and Grace. And we've been married for almost 20 years. It'll be 20 in January on Australia Day. I've been at the church uh, in my role uh, for almost seven years. I think that'll be seven in February and I'm in the office, front office, you know, organising everything. Okay, when I was first asked uh, to share my experiences of God with us over the last year, uh, I was very nervous and I still am, which is probably evident. I'd taken some notes since I was first asked, kind of a few little ideas that popped into my head, but uh, in the last week I had a definite moment where I knew God was with us. Um, it's getting close to nine o'clock at night and I was getting the munchies as we all do. And I knew that I didn't probably really have any munchies in the pantry because I was trying my best not to buy them. So as I walked towards the kitchen, I went, please God, give me a snack. (laughs) 
And thankfully, the very first cupboard door that I opened yielded a packet of Doritos that I'd forgotten was stuffed in there, hidden away for nachos. And I was like, thank you, God. You are with us always in our times of need. But on a more serious reflection, one of the first uh, things that came to my mind was uh, the passing of my cousin back in February. My cousin uh, has faced uh, quite a few issues in her life and there's been um, challenges along the way. Um, and she has come close to death uh, with a few medical scenarios before, but she's always pulled through. We were lucky enough to celebrate her 40th birthday back in January, which was a milestone that we didn't necessarily think that she would make, but she did. And it was such a blessing to be able to celebrate that. Just five short weeks after her 40th birthday, um, she grew ill quite quickly and passed away within a week, um, which was terrible. But I still knew that God was in that situation because she had been healthy and happy uh, leading up right up to when she fell ill. In fact, she was um, recording videos for YouTube the day before she um, yeah, became ill. And because it took a week for her to pass, that gave um, time for family and friends and her carers to come and say goodbye and for her family to get used to the idea that this was going to be it. So we were so yeah, thankful and blessed to be able to have spent the time with her at her 40th birthday party. I really felt that God was in that situation and he's with us always. So in my own life, yep, I definitely see... Um, that God is with us, uh, with the people that uh, he puts around us. Um, sometimes it's wonderful Christian friends who show me how to uh, love better and live a, a better Christian life. And sometimes it's wonderful friends who aren't Christians um, where opportunities arise for me to share my faith, even if it's only a small bit. Uh, one example of this was the other week I had a friend um, talking about COVID and the fear that there is around that. And I was able to say that we had prayed that morning for the exact same thing, that the fear around COVID would go away and be removed. So once again, that is, you know, God is with us and giving opportunities. So another example uh, is that I received a message from somebody saying that they had some excess bread and did I know whether the food centre could use it. Uh, I messaged the food centre who are normally have an abundance of bread from the local bakeries, but... As it turns out, they were in need um, of extra bread and it was perfect timing uh, for this extra bread to be had. Um, and again, God's timing is just perfect. He's working in many areas of all of our lives. I'll admit that I'm not someone who sits down and dedicates um, time to prayer every day or anything like that. But I do pray often and regularly throughout the day uh, and often just very short prayers like, Lord, I'm praying for X today, or Lord, I'm praying for X as they face you know, X today. Um, Lord, I really feel or I'm hurting for X. Um, and I pray like that just randomly throughout the day as I'm going along because I know that God is with us and he's with me hearing the prayers as I say them, short as they are. So many examples uh, that God is with us all the time, even though you might not always feel it or see it, but he is. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is, this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm Joshua Tan. Um, I moved up to Horsham two years ago, just before the pandemic started. 
Um, previously, I was in Melbourne studying uh, my bachelor's degree. I moved up here to become a teacher at Horsham College. Um, but now I am planning to move back to Melbourne next year, um, working at a school there teaching as well. The years have been a pretty hectic one. Uh, I think I've seen God with me in many ways, however. I see it in the interactions that I have with uh, students and colleagues. Um, and I feel God's prompting always um, when I'm in different situations in the classroom, being able to, I suppose, show love towards them, be kind, be caring, um, be loving, um, and in the midst of that also finding opportunities to share with others um, who and what God is to me, um, and sharing my faith and sharing who Jesus is. Um, that has been something that I've also been trying to do throughout the year. I often try and obviously share my faith and what's important to me, knowing that uh, it is something that others need to know um, in school contexts. And sometimes there are different lines that you have to traverse um, and different challenges that come with it. But something that's quite interesting is that as a science teacher, um, being able to um, have those conversations where students know that you are a Christian and you're also a science teacher and reconciling those two together, knowing with uh, from my perspective, knowing that God is the God who created everything and God is the God who knows and uh, all of, of how the world works and science is a study of how the world works and reconciling that, that's something that students are interested in finding out and they are often the ones that actually come to me with questions, which then gives me every opportunity to tell them and tell them how that sort of reconciles it for me. The biggest challenge I think I've had with um, sharing God's love this year is probably uh, as many people will probably say this, but with the pandemic shifting us to remote learning in and out, there were lots of students that had different issues and struggles with that. And the first thing that I needed to share with that was uh, approaching that from a sense of, of understanding and a sense of love um, and a sense of uh, wanting to make sure that they know that we are prioritizing them first and foremost. Um, and in doing that, sometimes they don't necessarily see that in a lot of the other interactions that they have, especially during those tough times. That's something that um, is both a challenge, but also something that has provided, I guess, an opportunity for me to be able to show um, something different to them and show them uh, love and care in a way that uh, hopefully they've been able to see is um, beyond what, um, what a lot of others offer, I suppose. Um, my quiet time, my secret place this year has looked uh, and heavily focused or heavily revolved around prayer. Um, prayer in uh, times of need, times of challenge, as we've all experienced this year. Um, particularly for me through navigating different challenges within school, but also reconciling that with the challenges that I've had completing my master's alongside it. Um, and the burdens that, that come with uh, interacting with students who are struggling quite uh, evidently throughout the pandemic. Prayer in those times of challenge, but also prayer in times of uh, thanks and, and gratefulness for the many moments that I've been able to um, enjoy and be grateful for in the, the impact that I've been able to have interacting with students and staff um, and the things that God has been able to to bring me through in completing this journey of these two years of working and studying at the same time where without him, I would be completely lost in. So I want to invite you in this time and this space to breathe deeply. Take a breath.
catch your breath. Give time and space for God to speak, for his presence and his spirit to minister healing or restoration or renewal or comfort or whatever it might be for you in this time. Because it's not very easy to wait for God. It's not very easy to wait for God to show himself. Whether we're waiting for um, whatever we might be waiting for, whether it's someone's healing, whether it's someone's phone call, whether it's um, some revelation from God, it's not very easy to wait. And yet there are times that we are invited to wait. And that might be personal, but it might also mean be communal for the community. And this is uh, where Zephaniah speaks into uh, a group of people, into a community, the people of God called Israel. Zephaniah um, is one of the minor prophets in Scripture, and he spoke at the time of uh, King Josiah. Now, King uh, Josiah became king when he was eight years old. Imagine being a king when you were eight. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to be a king when I'm 50. Um, but here, uh, Josiah actually followed, and he fa- followed his father who did what was evil and wicked in the eyes of the Lord. Josiah, on the other hand, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. You can read more of Josiah's story in 2 Kings 22 and 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Uh, Zephaniah was actually a peer of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is a much longer prophecy, uh, one of the longest prophecies of the, the trouble that Israel were in, the struggle and the heartache that God was feeling for his people. But Zephaniah starts um, by declaring who he is, where he has come from, his family heritage, before he opens up with these words. I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. Merry Christmas. (laughs) And I say this to simply highlight the lows. And for the uh, Hebrew people, this was very much the nature of God. Because they were, they were part of very tribal organisations. There were gods all over the place. Um, and they, they attributed everything to God. This is a reflection of society. When society goes pear-shaped, God, uh, it's given to God. It's handed to God. God is named in it. I'm not, it's, not, it's very difficult to comprehend for us thousands of years later. Uh, but essentially, Zephaniah is recognising the fractured nature of the world, the movement away from God and the natural consequences of that movement away from God. Um, This was a people, uh, Israel were a people who had been called out of slavery. Um, They'd been caught time and time and time again in ways, methods, power and culture of those around them, and they failed time and time again to acknowledge God. They forget that God had rescued them, that God has restored them. They forget what God had done in the past. It's not that they didn't know God. They were very aware of God. They were very mindful of what God had done. They were open to crying out to God when it was all going pear-shaped, and not a lot different today. But when they got into systems of power, uh, they allowed that power to corrupt them. 
uh, for the people of Israel, uh, God calling them out of slavery, invited them to remember who he was and what he had done so that they would be a blessing to the nations, so that they would be distinctive amongst the nations, so that they would call the nations to him, recognizing all that he had done. But the systems, the power, the wealth, and the military strength that, they came, that came with that blessing often corrupted them. They took on what looked like the rest of the world. And they, like us, lose sight of who God is and who he invites us to be. We get caught in systems, power, influence, and we forget that he rescues or he has rescued us and rescued his people in a, in, a, in a desire and a hope to restore his creation and be a blessing to others. God saves and redeems. God does the work of that so that we might live in a way that we can um, demonstrate to the world around us who God is and what God has done. And we just get caught We get lost. We get stuck in disappointment, disillusionment and deconstruction. And some of these might actually even be necessary to encounter God more fully. Think the desert experience, the wilderness experience, the lost experience, the grief experience. In those things are opportunities to encounter God more fully. But getting stuck there is a destructive way of life and drains life. And I'm not saying any of this to be condemning, fearful or miserable. But it's the reality of Israel's history. And if we're honest enough, if we're willing to be emotionally intelligent enough and honest enough, it's our history. It's our story. We go all right and so we forget God. Things go pear-shaped. God either gets blamed or we forget God. It's a very simplistic view of the story, but people can come and say to me, you know, God's done this and it's his fault that he's done this. And then when you turn around and say, if you're willing to blame God for the bad stuff, are you willing to recognize God for any of the good stuff? Not many people do. Not even many Christians. It's a new new question for people of faith. People that are meant to know the story. Be a part of the story. Invite others into the story. And we've been asked some tough questions. If you're part of the church, have been a part of the church for any length of time or a a person of faith for any length of time, we've been asked some tough questions of our relationship with God, of our relationships with one another and our witness in the community over the last 18 months to two years, haven't we? Did we simply live in the culture to be driven by it? Or do we become influencers of the culture for the kingdom of God? Are we being driven by the culture around us, by the gods that are around us, the idols that are around us, or are we people that are influencing the culture for the kingdom of God? Does division or unity drive us? Does hope or fear motivate us? Does pride or humility guide us? Are our hearts directed to the heart of the Father who wants to restore all things to himself? 
Are we living as the body of Christ or as dismembered parts of that body? Where is meaning, purpose and hope? Can I participate in something, have hope in something beyond a fractured, fragile, explosive world? And whether you, as I said, claim to be a person of faith or perhaps you're here or perhaps you're watching and seeking to discover for the first time, looking for some sense of meaning, looking for some sense of hope and purpose, knowing that whatever we are doing, thinking, believing right now isn't really working for us. It's not really bringing change and it's not really satisfying the deep yearning of your spirit. Because somehow we've got caught up in the cultural systems and powers and pride and greed and busyness. The prophet Zephaniah saw a a worldwide catastrophe, (laughs) but he also saw beyond the catastrophe so that he could sing an ecstatic song of joy. God saves his people, not through law, not through religious systems, not through military power, not through financial systems, not through cryptocurrency, superannuation, not through governments, but in relationship. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all. All your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. This is verse 14 and 15 of Zephaniah 3. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. Now, think about that statement in relation to Zephaniah 1, <laughs> the Lord is in your midst. In the disasters that have been caused by humanity, in the disappointments, in the disillusionment, in the frustration, in the awkwardness, the Lord is in your midst. In the disbelief, in the uncertainty, in the casting aside, in the pain, in the hurt that we've felt, the Lord is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. Zion, or um, that's another name or another word for uh, the restoration of Jerusalem, and there's all sorts of research you can do around that. Um, Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst. The mighty one will save. Now hear this. And hear this regardless of your story, regardless of your pain, regardless of your joy, regardless of whatever you might be going through. Hear this. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing.
And in the Gospel of Matthew, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit, betrothed, being committed to. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, like those Doritos that Kerry found, um, found them in a cupboard somewhere. But while he thought about these things, um, hear this, the Holy Spirit didn't reprimand him because he thought differently. God didn't come and say, Joseph, don't think such things, that's terrible. But while he thought about these things, it was already there. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, take, I don't know what's happened there, to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. He will restore people. He will renew and refresh people. He will return people to union with God. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And this is the beauty and the wonder of this season. This is the hope of this season, the promise of this season. The invitation is to know God personally as one amongst us in the messiness of birth, of life, and all that life throws at us, brings us all that we do with life, and in death. God with us. One who welcomes the outcast, heals the wounded, Restores the broken, refreshes and renews the worn out and dried out and dried up. He knows our need to weakness. He is no stranger. One who live, lives, works and serves despite the political systems, despite the military and financial systems of the day, one who continues to bring ministry amongst us and through us, one who serves despite all the corrupt systems that might be around us, all the disappointing systems of the church and the religious institutions, God remains with us if we choose to pay attention. He is not distant. He is among us and with us. And God enters the world not by systems, 
but in relationship. And his desire is to quiet us in his love. He entered relationship where no one else could, where no one else would, where no one else will. And in a way that no system ever will. He participates in all of life to show his love, even to the point of death, so that we might participate in the fullness of life with him through his resurrection. And every day, and I mean every day and sometimes multiple moments in a day, we have to choose again. Is that the kind of life we want to participate in? Father, we want to celebrate you. We thank you that you have constantly revealed yourself to us. Forgive us, Father, for the times, the days, the moments, the words, the thoughts that stand apart from you, that forget to invite you into the time and into the space with us. We thank you that despite pursuing life on our own, despite getting caught up in systems, you constantly remind us that you are with us. And we thank you and we praise you. And Father, we pray that you might minister into hearts and minds and spirits, that you might bring healing and refreshment and revelation, not just in this moment, but in the days to come, that your word, these simple words, this simple invitation, that you are with us, that you rejoice over us with singing, you want to quiet us in your love might be reminders in the days and the weeks to come of your love for us.